And now joined by Lance Walker. He's with us once a month from the OSU Human Performance and Nutrition Institute. And today's topic is one I am glad you brought up because we have heard about this, Lance, for years. And we've heard good and we've heard bad. First of all, welcome back, though. How you Thanks. doing? Thanks. Doing great. Doing great. We're talking resistance training for kids. And I, I said to Bryce, you know, and because I'm older, but... When uh, you know when I was young and in high school, oh, don't touch weights. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, 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 you to bind you up. You won't be able to run. And even in the off season, it was ah, very little. Mm-hmm. You had to be very limited. When did that attitude start to change? You know, that's it's a great point. I had some of the same things coming through high school. Um, I was fortunate. I grew up on a farm and a ranch. And I so did too. <laughs> my strength and conditioning was was bucking bales mm-hmm. uh, in the wintertime and uh, feeding cattle and building fence in the summertime. Mm-hmm. So, oh God, that it, was one of the hardest right? jobs in history. I hated it, but boy, I was so thankful for it because mm-hmm. we really didn't have strength conditioning, and that would have been in the yeah. in the early eighties um, to age myself. But yeah. Some point in that period of time, in that 70s and 80s, uh, the concept of strength conditioning sort of started to, to proliferate in the NCAAs. Um, mm-hmm. Boyd Epley up at the University of Nebraska was one of the first sort of mm-hmm. pioneers in that space uh, where they started applying some of these track and things that they saw in track and field. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, that really makes them faster and stronger, and mm-hmm. that might be good for football. Those are sort of things that started to to drip out of some of those early days. Yeah, I created all those thick-neck offensive linemen in Nebraska for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, he was a real pioneer in that space, and there's been others, but uh, but that's where it started to kind of drip feed in, I think. And the kid piece, it's interesting, there was a position paper that was um, uh, the governing body of National Strength Conditioning Association, or NSCA. They began to put out position papers. Now, that's sort of the gold standard of certification for right. our field of strength conditioning coaches. And in the mid-'90s, they started creating position papers based on the literature for kids because we started to see this now pulling into the high schools mm-hmm. and then it started to pull into the middle schools and even into grade schools and so those positions pa- papers started to come out a lot of research uh, started to be done in that space i've got some data from a position paper that came out in 2009 so they've updated it mm-hmm. along the way because it's just continued to be this hey this is top of mind it yep. looks like there's something really here how should we do it? Is it good? Is it safe? What are some general rules of thumb based on the literature, based on the science that would help us make this the best? So it's, it's really somewhat recent, but it's, it's continuing to uh, – the, the research is continuing to come in on well, it. Well, and you can tell that just by looking at some of the high school weight rooms, you know, that weren't there many years ago. You know, you'd walk into uh, something and it'd be under a stadium and there'd be five sets of something laying around in an old damp room. And over at Nathan Hale, it was the old wrestling room. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and they had like three sets of benches in there and that was it. Mm. Now you'd walk into Union's new one. Wow, just yeah. and it's ridiculously impressive. Walk into Bixby's, it's impressive. But at what point did we take enough close enough look physiologically to say, okay, this isn't damaging? Because they used to tell you that would damage kids and it would slow bone growth and all those things. Yeah, and and somewhat recently still, um, I think some of the initial things you probably heard the well, it's going to mess up your uh, your growth plates if mm-hmm. you if you uh, and you mentioned get stiff and and, mm-hmm. and those sort of things. So a lot of research has gone into that. Um, to, just in the last 20 years even, to really pull, pull into that space and say, is that, is that real? Is that really what's happened here? And um, that's one of the questions that, that we always get is, is resistance training safe for kids? I mean, yes. that's the big, the big question, right? And the, I hate to say it, but it depends. Uh, <laughs> you know, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned the bench presses that you saw in there. Um, just like any good tool, that bench press is probably a good tool in the right hands used correctly with help with like help. going there by yourself right. and that yeah. kind of thing sure. in the wrong hands used incorrectly mm-hmm. it can become dangerous so the it depends kind of it depends on three big things what the research and literature has supported now is properly designed 
programs. That's the one thing that, that, that maybe gets us in a bind is when we don't have a designed program, something that's been designed to get us a progressive overload of improvement versus just randomly coming in there and, and doing something. Mm-hmm. And so that was part one of sort of the, 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 the research identifying is it safe for kids. The other it depends is is it properly supervised. So you mentioned supervision, and that's yep. something big with kids is that we, we find that they're a lot safer, uh, those, those injuries. When, when it's well-designed, well-supervised, I think there's only three published studies that have shown any injuries uh, at all, and those were injuries that you recovered within a week to 10 days. They were you know, basic soft tissue. Overuse things. injuries. Not injuries, even yeah. overuse, just little, little, little tweaks. Um, so supervision, qualified mm-hmm. supervision, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, what, what makes you qualified. And then the third is the equipment itself. Yes. You know, I, I had an old uh, universal gym in my old high school, <laughs> and there was one, there was the leg press machine that, man, it was a loose screw over there, you know, and you knew it, but, mm-hmm. you know, you're kind of, when you started moving any, any bigger weights, you know, that, that little thing started to wiggle. Safe equipment and making sure the equipment is updated. So that's the, is resistance training safe for kids? The literature, again, this is not me just telling you, the literature would support that, yes, it is. It depends if it's properly designed, supervised by a qualified individual, and that the equipment itself is safe. And when you say qualified, there are a lot of different ways to do that. There are trainers, there are training staff, but there are people too. I mean, someone who just happens to be a coach, who's, I say just happens to be someone who's a coach who's in there, and their whole job is to watch, but are they qualified? Yeah, it's a good, good question, and I think the the qualified place where we go again from a from a national governing body is is some of these certifications and certification is one extra wrinkle of yeah you know what you're doing you've gone through the rigor of of studying and um, and passing an exam um, the gold standard in strength conditioning right now uh, if you're looking you know if you're a parent looking is your is your coach uh, qualified or uh, the the big certification the gold standard is called the CSCS and that's a certified strength conditioning specialist and that's the gold standard um, coming from the NSCA there are other good ones mm-hmm. but that would be first is are they are they qualified not just they've they've lifted weights in their past exactly they're, you know, they're, right they, yeah. they're a weight lifter they are a a coach they are a somebody that has been has been certified so that mm-hmm. would be the, the the quick litmus test yeah the, the guy at Nathan Hale back when I was there who was the quote unquote weight guy had been in the Pan Am Games as a weightlifter and a really nice guy. He was an assistant principal, Rod Goodsell. Uh, and Rod was a huge human, and he was fun, and he knew what he was doing, but he just happened to be a weightlifter, and that was if you wanted to go out in the offseason, they'd, they'd let you because he'd be out there with his tuna casserole pumping weights in, yeah. <laughs> in that old room. Lance Walker is with us from Oklahoma State. That's the Human Performance Nutrition Institute here on the Blitz 1170. It's 758. Bryce? Lance, what are some good rule of thumb recommendations for, uh, you know, even just for kids lifting weights that, you know, parents and coaches can know, but really for anybody that's weightlifting? It's, it's a really good question. And, and these rules of thumb are not just, you know, the, uh, ah, this is kind of what's worked in the past or I, what I've seen happen. This comes from the literature. So that's where I want to make sure I'm really clear that this is coming from this, this position statement mm-hmm. based on the body of knowledge. And it's constantly evolving, but this is where we, we stand today. And there's a lot of things that you can apply to your, your training as well um, with kids. Number one is, um, and there's six, six big rules of thumb. Number one is qualified instruction, supervision, and planning. I, I've said it a bunch, right? right. Uh, you have a plan. It's a qualified, supervised program. So that's rule of thumb number one. That NSCA certification is a strong one. Uh, ACSM, NASM, those are good certifications to look for. Ensure the equipment is safe. 
that's going to that's going to be an important if, if you're exercising on a great program with high, highly supervised qualified staff but you're you're working out on, a, on an unsafe piece of equipment um, that's going to be important to understand which gets into home gyms right I mean a lot of these injuries with kids we're finding is with when they're exercising on home gyms yeah. that are unsafe, also unsupervised, right? And nobody's really looking at technique out in the or garage. Or supervised by someone who just isn't as aware, and yeah. maybe I'll let them do something they shouldn't. Right, or my son's out in the garage last night. You know, he's experimenting out there. Mm-hmm. Well, gosh, I, you know, that's, the, that's probably not the safest environment for him to be out there experimenting <laughs> with a bunch of weight. Number three is start light. And I know that sounds mm-hmm. basic, but start light and increase gradually. I mean, sounds sounds commonsensical, right? A, re- a great way to understand improvements and, and gradual progressions with kids is technical, is the technique sound. And don't let the technique ever fall off. There's no reason to get out of technical proficiency with lifting. And if it's the technique begins to suffer, guess what? Probably too heavy, right? Mm-hmm. You're probably yeah. progressing too fast. Uh, number four, two to three times a week in terms of density. You know, we think, oh, we got to train every day, five to seven days. With kids? You may be able to get more away with more out of and more away with two to three days a week, okay. especially initially on non consecutive days. And so that's what we see with kids a lot of time. Oh, let's do a Monday and a Tuesday back to back. Let's give them those non consecutive days and you'll get a better bang for your buck. Consistency. This is a big one. So number five would be consistency. You, it's just like a, 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 a pill, right? It's you, if you don't take the pills on a consistent mm-hmm. basis. And so some parents and, and coaches are like, well, the strength training doesn't work that well. Well, tell me about your density of training. Tell me about your consistency. Well, I tried it a couple of days. Yeah. and it di- <laughs> Wait a minute. It's going to take some time, and over time you begin to develop some of those trappings. So be consistent. Um, be consistent with your maintenance. You talked about in-season, right? Mm-hmm. With, if you lift for eight weeks and you get all this great strength that you're applying to your sport, well, guess what happens when you stop? That starts to kind of drift back down. And, and so even a maintenance dose of one day a week in season with kids has shown to be uh, very effective. And the final one, less is more. So oh, I'm going to do eight sets and, and, you know, 17 different exercises. One to three sets might be enough for your kids, especially initially. Leave two in the tank is a rule of thumb that's being used a lot. You're doing a set of 10, right? Mm-hmm. Make sure that you've left two reps in the tank. I could have done 12, mm-hmm. but I got 10. So it's not, I did 10, and man, the 10th one just buried me. Yeah. It leaves a little cushion on the top of that. It keeps it what we call submaximal. So leave two in the tank. And when you're walking out of the gym, you should feel good. You shouldn't feel buried, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a beat down for kids, too. Every time they go in the weight room and they walk out feeling worse than when they walked in, I don't know what you think about that, but that doesn't help me stay motivated. Uh, and so the feel no. good when you walk out. So those would be the six rule of thumbs I'd give you. Yeah, and so the, the bottom line is we know it's not bad for kids, and in many years they said that, but you do have to do it right. And the other thing is, and I've seen this happen in high school, is you get somebody in there who gets pushed a little too hard and you just turn them off to the whole thing. And when point. that happens, you kind of lose somebody mentally. It's a great point. The, in, the improvements that you get with strength training with kids is, is so dramatic, and this is where a lot of the good research is starting to, to show up. Strength, does it work to get them stronger? Yes. Some studies show up to 74% increase in strength wow. in eight weeks. 74%. You, so you get, get a stronger, big, Bryce. Man. Wow, there's a chance. Yeah. There, there's some hope for me. How about cardiovascular risk? Uh-huh. That, it, the strength training with kids has shown a decreased body fat, increased insulin sensitivity. Think about these things. These are trappings from, for kids. Motor skill, vertical jump, speed, power, running economy. We need more research in that space, but we're seeing an application that this helps you be a better mover, potentially. Sports injury resistance, 
bone health, muscle imbalances. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the, some of the trappings of, of how people get injured in the first place is some of those risk factors. This can be a help in terms of managing those risk factors. There's a couple in here that you might not, you mentioned it, psychosocial well-being. Oh, yeah. Mood, self-confidence. Those, those things aren't top of mind sometimes when we think about resistance training with kids, but absolutely has been shown in the literature uh, to, to impact that. And the last one you mentioned, it was great. That's why I wanted to go to that. Exercise habits. You create an exercise habit when you have a positive experience, you're a better mover, you enjoy it. Now when you show up at the gym and, and Bryce, you go in the gym now, if you were a kid and you had a good experience in the weight room, you know what you're doing, you were properly supervised and guided, you got a plan when you walk into that gym, right? You're not standing there thinking, oh gosh, what do I do? I guess I'll just go over and get on the treadmill because I know how to walk or I know how to run. I don't know how to do any of that other stuff or have confidence doing it. So it's creation of those exercise habits that can that can fuel you for life. Or or, or asking some people when they'll join a gym like that, uh, and it's you know maybe parents with a kid, they're afraid to ask. Yeah. I mean, if, almost everyone's afraid to ask questions. I Absolutely. mean, I experienced that as a dive instructor when I'll tell them, you got to ask because I can't talk to you underwater. So you got to ask me, you got to tell me here if you don't understand. But many times nobody will. So that's why they'll walk in and just start walking around. They'll look at people. Most of those kids who are going to try to be athletic have leadership, and that really helps. Now, I know big schools do. Is it coming along at small schools in Oklahoma? We're we're pushing hard. I think that's that's absolutely. I think a, a, a major a major piece of what HPNRI is about is being an advocate for this sort of thing because we see it beyond sport. Resistance training uh, is going to help us in life. It's going to help us be a healthier state of Oklahoma, and so we're really advocating for more strength conditioning programs with supervised, qualified personnel in small schools. That's hard. It right? is because of money. It, it, because of money, because of staff. Yep. Uh, how do we support the coaches that are doing that? It mm-hmm. may be the football coach that it falls to the football yeah. coach to be the strength conditioning coach. Or the basketball or whoever, yeah. Exactly. Let's make sure that those coaches know where the resources are. Let's patch them into some of those experts. We're even talking about potentially launching an additional echo line mm-hmm. just for strength and conditioning for kids to be that resource that can pull in there and absolutely support some of those areas that don't have a full-time strength conditioning yeah. staff. Let's also clear up what, what kids is when it comes to age group. Yeah, children, kids, we're talking about anything 18 to about 12, we'll call that a kid. Children, you know, younger than that, that, that peak height velocity, that growth spurt. But really the research is supporting it sort of across a, a broad band from, from How very young? young, nine years old, all the way up to 18, some of this research. Now, different parameters for sure. each. That's where the expertise of supervision comes in. But there are benefits. Some of this research, this is showing that the benefits drip all the way down into those pre-adolescent years. Again, safe if. Mm-hmm. It depends. Make sure, and again, the specifics of that uh, guide your guide your training. But there's benefits down in there that uh, that outweigh the risks. In fact, some of the research would indicate that it may be safer than the sports you're playing if you do it right. Well, yeah, because because some of those can be yeah, yeah. And we know collisions can be difficult. Yeah. A couple more minutes here with Lance Walker from Oklahoma State Human Performance and Nutrition Institute. We're talking resistance training for kids here today, which I think is a really really good topic, and it's something that has changed a lot. As I said back in my time, and you mentioned something there that I don't think not everybody understands is that this is not just. Most people think you got to get on a treadmill for cardio. And not that strength training is going to get you a you know a, a forty eight to fifty heart rate and, and that kind of thing. However, it does make a difference, doesn't it? No doubt about it. Um, and in fact, it, it's it's some of that as as you grow after you get through that uh, that growth spurt and your and and after puberty, that's when you really start gaining muscle, right? Before that, it's interesting. Before that period of time, a lot of these strength gains 
that kids go through, it isn't really that their muscles getting bigger. I mean, you don't see the nine-year-old walking around looking like, you know, <laughs> Hulk Hogan. Um, where their strength comes from is the neurological system, the wiring. So they're creating the wiring at that age. And that becomes the, really where they begin to get stronger is just the wiring to the, they get some muscle improvement, muscle mass improvement. But when you think about after adolescence now, that 15, 16, 17, they start using resistance training. It makes their muscle better as well. That muscle, that's the thing that's chewing up calories all day long, right? And so you've got a potentially a higher resting metabolic rate. You have more lean body mass. It sort of gives you the buffer to, you know, it gives me a buffer to go eat more. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> I, I don't really enjoy lifting weights that much. But if I keep my lean body mass up, it gives me a pretty good reservoir calories um, that uh, that I know I'm going to eat. I know I'm going to eat this weekend. Sorry, I started to laugh. That's why I started to cough. I started to cough. <laughs> said, hey, I'm hitting the gym so I can go to the buffet. And not quite that. Not no, that, that exactly. Plain, right. And, you know, something that's, that's in the literature now that we're starting to see, and more research is needed, uh, but that resistance training can improve your lipid profiles in kids. So, again, those are these are things, again, more research needed, absolutely. But, man, we're looking at this thinking, wow, this is a really great adjunct to the, yeah, go get on the treadmill to get your cardiovascular <laughs> yeah. health done. It's going to be a great combination. That's why it's always strength and conditioning. Mm -hmm. we, li we like to think about putting the and in uh, there. back mm -hmm. in that. And by the way, lipids, we're talking about blood fats, things like that, cholesterol, and those kinds of things, from, just in case. Uh, all right, so for the people who want to get a hold of this and, and kind of get what you have here, tell them how to access it. A couple of places. One is we'll begin to, to add these, these resources into our ongoing ECHOs, and that's the, the extension for uh, community health care outcomes. And you can get online, medicine.okstate.edu backslash ECHO, that's E-C-H-O, and you can attend some of these, these echo lines as a parent, as a coach. Get your coach involved in mm -hmm. this. The Athletic Training Sports Medicine Echo at a future echo, we're going to be going over this in a bit more detail. And it doesn't cost anything. And it's free. Yeah. And if you're a provider, if you're a, an athletic trainer, you're going to get continued medical education credits uh, to join us. So we encourage you to join that. Uh, and if you want to just go to our website at HPNRI, that's go.okstate.edu backslash HPNRI, and you'll see great there will be some great topical um, things there. At some point soon, we're going to be having some additional uh, ways that you can tap into some of this uh, through fact sheets, et cetera. But those are two places to start your search.